Wow, what a blessing to be here with you. It's a, it's a joy to see all your faces. Many of you are visiting. Um, appreciate very much you coming out and uh, being with us here today. And uh, I just want to welcome you and, you know, I, I truly, truly hope that that is our heart, that we may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because if you desire to dwell in the house of the Lord now, it will truly affect how you live. Uh, that you might have a hope to dwell with Him forever. Um, this being the new year, I want to... I want to preach a word to us that's on my heart. Um, If I would ask you a question, I had to think of the question. I can't even remember, was it Jesus or John the Baptist that said, what have you come out to hear? A reed shake it in the wind? What have you come out to hear? Have you come out to stroke your conscience? to make yourself feel better? Or have you come out to seek the Lord? You know? Have you come out to seek the Lord? And um, if I would ask the question also, what is, what kind of resolution have you made for the new year? Um, which I don't, really believe in resolutions because it's kind of the arm of the flesh isn't it it's kind of but it does it is good always though to take stock and it doesn't hurt us to examine ourselves and I think that's one thing we can do in the new year here at the beginning examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith Uh, we have the biblical exhortation to do that um But gathering together this way, and as we look at the future, as we look down the road, um, you know, we we don't know. The future all unsure, except what we know that he who holds the future is not unsure. Um. You know, you can look back in the past 365 days and consider all the changes. Some of you have moved into the area. Some of, some of us have had great trials thrown in our path. Um, a year ago, um, you know, yes, a year ago, there were things in front of us that we had no no uh, clue we had no clue um, what the Lord would bring into our lives Uh, he is sovereign 365 days from now when you look back you will also have to admit well we didn't know what the Lord had for us either but uh, so I have a I have a message you know, that I could preach, that I'm prepared to preach, that 
would be very safe for me. But I also have a word that I would like to, to share that's, that is not so well thought out. And um, I'm not sure how long um, I'll be standing here in front of you, but I want to share the unsafe one. Um, I, wouldn't, I want to preach to you. It might not be so much teaching, but I want to preach to you this morning. So turn with me to uh, uh, 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. And as we think about what is important, what is important to this congregation in the, in the year 2021, I want to bring that principle to play and answer that out of this passage. Why do we come together? Are we playing church? Are we, you know, surely we are more grown up than five and six and seven-year-olds who play church on the, you know, at home, you know. Or, and, and so the question I want to just bring in front, front and center for you is, what is important? What is, um, why are we gathered? Why should we, what should be the focal point of, the, of this church and, and uh I know this is my own heart. This is my own heart as a, as a pastor, as an elder, to, to uh, direct the church this way, to consider this. And let's read uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, and we'll read through the first 12 verses. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, though now you do not see him. Yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us, 
they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. So I want to focus on verses 10 and following. Um, Verses 10 and following here, where it speaks about the prophets and their attitude or their their interest and what drove them. You know, think about this. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in God, if you follow after God, you come from a long line of giants. There are many people in the past that have believed in the same God that you are believing in that have believed in times past in, in environments that are not as pleasant as now. Times when, yes, the church age, if you want to include the Old Testament saints, obviously the church age began at the apostle, at, you know, in the time of the apostles. But we have brothers and sisters who from the church of the Old Testament have have believed in the same God, and have they are giants before us. Many, many, you know, who of us, especially of us young men, younger men, who when we were growing up didn't have heroes? You know, the church of Jesus Christ needs heroes. We need somebody that we can emulate. We need somebody that we look up to. We need someone that inspires us. We need We need people who inflame our passions for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Well, where are you going to get those? Well, for 2021, if if we would take and look at the attitude of these prophets in verses 10 through 12 and just emulate those heroes of the faith, if we would take them and embrace them, and make them our heroes, people that we look up to, we would prosper in 2021. The kingdom of God would prosper. So let's consider, let's consider this passage. And bear with me. I haven't got a single note. So we're going to start and look at this passage from, from verse 10 of this salvation. Now let's back up. If you begin, and that's why I read from verse 1. That's why I read from verse 1, where, and which was the introduction, verse 1 and 2. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who has given us these incredible blessings in Jesus Christ. He, he gave us this abundant mercy. He begot us again to, what is it? A living hope, a lively hope. In other words, what, uh, what, what uh, the old King James says, a lively hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And by the way, if Christ had not arisen, brothers and sisters, you and I would not be celebrating. But because He has arisen, as Romans 1 verse 5 says, we have, this, we have this hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who was declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And so this resurrection ensures us of our resurrection, you see. And as we resurrect, then we have an inheritance. And if you, if you resurrect without an inheritance, well, that's why we preach, isn't it? That's why we talk about this so great a salvation. It's so that, when you, so that you have an opportunity to embrace this so great a salvation, so that when you pass and you resurrect, then you have an inheritance. But this inheritance, by the way, is an incorruptible, undefiled, and it does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Do you, know, do you notice here that this inheritance is laid back, it's reserved, it is set aside for you? And then verse 5, it says that we are set aside for it, who are kept by the power of God. So, not only is this inheritance set aside for you, but you are kept for it. This is a wonderful picture of, of, the, of the, the great security of the believers who are kept by none other than the power of God. This great power of God that is accessed through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this we greatly rejoice. Surely we do. We do greatly rejoice in this, but, and here's, the, here's, this, here's this valley that we heard about earlier this morning in our worship time where we go into this valley. Here is the uncertainty of the future for us. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved. And brothers and sisters, that is, that is the truth. Just because you have a so great a salvation, just because you have an inheritance awaiting for you, doesn't mean that you're always on top of things. That sometimes, many, many, many times, we're grief-stricken. We are in heaviness because of the various trials that we face. Well, the reason for those trials, brothers and sisters, is to check out your faith. The, the reason we have these the reason we collide, so to speak, with trials is because God sovereignly and lovingly desires for us to know whether we have genuine faith or not. You know, God knows whether your faith is genuine or not. You're not he's not discovering anything. So the blessing is for you and for me to discover whether our faith is genuine or not. So you run headfirst into a trial. Well, what, what comes out of your life? If the cup gets shaken and slop, what slops out of it? Well, brothers and sisters, that is what trials are for. It is for you to find out what is inside. It is for you to discover your state and your, uh, to see whether you have faith or not. Notice that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious. Peter loved that word precious. He loved that word precious. If you go over to verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. And he goes on, um, the cornerstone, elect and precious, you know, and he uses this word precious many times. So 
This, this trial by fire, this, this testing, it is much more precious than gold. That it may be found, that your, your faith may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, when he returns for us. Whom, though you haven't seen him. And here's, here's obviously a, a, um, here is obviously a description, we could say, of faith. What is faith like? It is, it is loving someone you've never seen. It is trusting someone you've never seen, whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory even in your trial, even if you are in heaviness because of your trials, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Brothers and sisters, that is, that is what we're going to be looking at, that salvation Receiving the end, the consummation, or the fulfillment of your salvation. Receiving the end of your faith, I should say. Receiving that, you know, at some point, brothers and sisters, every bit of your faith is going to be vindicated. It is going to be rewarded. And it is... Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now notice, verse 10. With that bit of introduction, we want to go into verse 10. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. You know, if... If you flip back to the index of your Bible and you start going through the books of the Bible, especially through the books of the Old Testament, and you start considering what is, who these prophets are, you have the, you have the great prophet Moses. You have, you have Samuel. You have Elijah. You have Elisha. You have Jeremiah. You have Isaiah. You have Hosea. You have Malachi. You have Obadiah. You have all of these. You have Haggai. You, you have all of these great patriots of the faith that have walked before you. Brothers and sisters, this faith, this great salvation that we're talking about did not, did not, was not first received by us. Brothers and sisters, we've had a long line of people who have walked this way before us. You know, 2021 has all kinds of uncertainties in front of us. But hey, those uncertainties have been going on since Jeremiah's day. They've been going on since Isaiah's day. We have these prophets give us an example of what is important. Notice this. Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. They not only prophesied of the grace that would come to you, but searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, notice, who was in them. This same Spirit, this Holy Spirit of God was in these prophets. And, and I was just thinking about, you know, when, when uh, and, and as we go down here, notice in verse 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand, What? the sufferings of Christ, and the glories that would follow. 
We love Isaiah 53, don't we? A beautiful, a beautiful prophecy of the suffering servant. The Holy Spirit of God came into these prophets and inspired their pen to write these prophecies. These same writers who wrote and and left their mark, their personality on the written pages of the Bible, these same prophets would come back and study their own writings. They would have to. They, these, these prophecies, by the way, and let me just read something out of, out of the, uh, out of um, Second Peter, Second Peter one in verse twenty, or yes, in verse twenty. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man. So Isaiah, it wasn't Isaiah's will that made him write Isaiah 53. That was not Isaiah. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And as they, as they wrote these, I believe they, didn't, they could not comprehend what they were writing. I mean, they, they studied them. They, they studied each other. I'm sure that, I think, um, I'm trying to remember... If Jeremiah was a contemporary of Isaiah, I believe he was. And uh, you have you have various these major Old Testament prophets. I'm sure studied each other, and they they wrote what was being or they read what was being written about the future. And notice what the what the intent of these passages was is of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. And then, and they prophesied of the grace that would come to us. That's you and I. This grace that we have, that has come to us, searching, well, who is this going to be and what is it going to be like? Is it going to be troubled times? Is it going to be peaceful times? Is it going to be, who, who is this? Who is this Messiah? What is he going to be like? Is he going to have a kingdom? All of these things, they searched and they carefully, and they prophesied of these things. And so, the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating, they were trying to figure out what, this in, what the Spirit of Christ was indicating when he testified to them about the sufferings of Jesus Christ and the glories that would follow. You know, the language here, verse 10, is of that of a miner. Digging down, going, digging down through the earth, through the rock, until they reach the iron, until they reach the ore, the, the ore that contained the gold. They sifted through this until they found the gold. And look, the passage says that they didn't find the gold. They did not actually receive these. Okay, so what we have here then in, in following here in... Uh, in verse 12, <clears throat> notice, to them it was revealed that not to themselves. So when they wrote these, they came to the conclusion that these prophecies actually apply to somebody in the future. These prophecies apply to other people. 
That's what this, this verse 12 is saying. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us. Here we, here we go again. To us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported through those who have preached the gospel. You know, from these verses, we can say that the gospel of Jesus Christ is contained in the sufferings of Christ and the glories that should follow. Do you see that? The Old Testament prophets, Peter is saying, he is saying they were, you know, struggling with finding the meaning of what they had written. And they discovered that, you know, these things are yet future. And they, they are yet future and they will apply to others. And those very same things, those sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow are now being preached by those who preached the gospel, Peter says. You see that. There was a current... In Peter's day, when he wrote this, there was a current sounding out of the gospel. And it was the same word that the prophets were preaching. It was the same word that the prophets were prophesying, even though they didn't understand it. Remember what happened when Peter, what Peter did in, uh, I think it's in Acts 2. Remember what he did there when, uh, to try to figure out whether Pentecost was legit or not. Remember you had all these um, you had all these people talking different languages. They, had, they, were, they were, actually they were speaking one language, but all these people heard these various languages in their own, all of them heard the same language in their own language, so to speak. Well, notice what he does here. Uh, when people began to mock and say, well, these guys are full of new wine. You know, they're, they're drunk. Well, Acts 2 in verse 14, but Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said to them, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. You see what, what Peter did? He verified what was going on in the current situation on the day of Pentecost. And he says, well, this is that. And he recognized from the Old Testament prophets what was currently happening in the church. And this is what we see here in 1 Peter 1. Is these very same things that the apostles are now preaching the gospel preaching is that. It is that which the prophets dug and dug around in his search carefully in mind that they might find this. Well, I want you to consider here what it was that they were talking about. Yeah, I want to challenge the church here with a word, a pastoral word. 
This book, this verse says that the Spirit of Christ who was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. I have often wondered that if, if, if somebody can't be here for the whole service, why they choose the preaching? Why do we, why do we neglect the sufferings of Christ to hear me preach? I just want to challenge you with that. Which is most important? What were the prophets doing? The prophets were testifying. The Holy Spirit was testifying about the sufferings of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we make a point of that every Lord's Day morning to have the bread and the cup here to focus our attention on the suffering servant, on the sufferings of Jesus Christ. That is literally the most important thing that we can lay before this church. Not my preaching. It is the suffering of Christ. It is the work of Jesus Christ. We're saved by works, brothers and sisters, but it's not our works. And that is why we have a, a committed approach to remember Jesus Christ every Lord's Day morning. I want to challenge you. If you have to forsake one or the other parts, just weigh in your own heart which is most important in this passage. Is it the... Is it, is it the focus on the sufferings of Christ or is it mine or Chris's preaching? I just want to challenge you with that. These Old Testament prophets dug and searched carefully and prophesied of the grace that would come to us. To us. And I want to turn back well, first of all, I just want to point out to you here that there are four personalities represented in this small section of Scripture. It may be even five if we count ourselves. But notice, it's the prophets. They were digging around, searching. Notice it is, it is uh, the Spirit of Christ who is testifying through the prophets. Notice also then, it is us that these things are being ministered to, not to themselves, not to their contemporaries, not to their own audience maybe, but to us. And then lastly, even the angels desire to look into these things. Even the angels have a, have a great interest. Things which angels desire to look into. I, don't ask me what that really means, but it. But if you look in in um, in Ephesians in Hebrews chapter two, it speaks about how the the law was given by the hand of angels. The angels were somehow instrumental in giving the law. The uh, there on Mount Zion, uh, Mount Sinai, the 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 angels were were in, were involved there. Now we have the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord, coming. And yes, the angels are very interested in the gospel. They are very interested in the gospel. I don't know why, but it's a mystery to them. And actually, in Ephesians 3, it tells us that the church is demonstrating to heavenly hosts and powers the, the manifold wisdom of God. 
The church is. You and I are. Are demonstrating something to the angelic hosts. And here again we have this principle. The angels desire to. So, so we have these personalities. We have the prophets. We have the spirit of Christ. We have those contemporaries who they were speaking to. And then we have us who these things are being realized in. And then we have the angels. But listen, if we go back to, I want to, all of us, if you would, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and consider briefly here, if you go back to this hall of faith, this hall of fame in Hebrews 11, where we have these great men of, and women of God who have gone before us. Notice what it says in verse 13. Notice what he says in Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they come out, they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. Well, notice, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. Well, we have to understand that they did receive the promises, but not the things promised. Abraham was given a promise, but he didn't receive what was promised. He, he did have a promise, and that is what he put his faith in, you see. He put his faith in that, not having received the promise, but having seen the fulfillment of the promise way out there. He reached out with the arms of faith, embraced them, brought them to himself, and confessed that, yes, indeed, this is going to cause me to be a stranger in my own country. This faith, this future that is mine by promise, I believe it and I receive it. Well, let's go back to verse 39 of Hebrews 11. Verse 39 and 40. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. You see that? They, they, they did not receive that which was promised. They did receive a promise, but not that fulfillment of it. Notice verse 40. God having provided something better for us. Something better for us. That's the same language as Peter. First Peter. They were ministering these things to us who received the gospel. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. Brothers and sisters, we see this great hall of fame, these great men of God. If you go back just just a few verses. They were tortured. 
not accepting deliverance. How could they have been delivered? Probably with just a word. Probably just a word. They could have been free from the rack, free from the torture, that physical torture. Some were sawn asunder. Some were sawn in two. They dwelt in the caves and the rocks and they dressed in sheepskins. And the picture is tough. Tough. But we look at them and we say, wow, what faith. What faith. What more shall I say? The time would fail me to talk of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah. Also of David and Samuel the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Daniel. Quenched the violence of fire. Escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle. Turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again. And then that next word. Have you ever noticed that? That next word. Others. Others. See, some got a wonderful blessing from their faith. They were strong. They, they overcame. They were victorious. They quenched them, all these things. They, they, were, they were made strong out of weakness. They were valiant in battle. They turned to flight. They, they overcame others. Others of the same faith were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They might, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Yes, of whom the world was not worthy. You know, they stated plainly that we're, we're living for the future. Do you see that? They were living for the future, brothers and sisters. The world wasn't worthy of them. The intellectuals of that day were not, they were not on equal footing with these people. The, the rich people, the kings, the monarchs, they were not, you know, these people who were wandering about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, without, they were homeless, they were afflicted, they were tormented. But listen, they were... Aliens, they were out of this world. They lived for the future, brothers and sisters. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, all of these, brothers and sisters, I want you to get this. They don't have the blessings that we do. That is the application of 1 Peter 10 through 12. All of these, brothers and sisters, are in, they're in the hall of fame. They were faithful because faith is, they, they're, they, they're called faithful because faith is vindicated in a future world. But they did not have the blessings that you and I have. 
They don't. The gospel was not preached to them. We have this glorious truth of Jesus Christ, the sufferings of Christ, as 1 Peter says, and the glories that should follow. We have those. They are ours. We rejoice in them every Lord's Day morning. What a responsibility we have to believe. What a responsibility we have to believe. How much greater is our condemnation if we should not believe? I think it's ultimately the application of that passage. We have this, the picture. We have the picture in Hebrews 11 that there's a future glory that these men and women lived for. And they were victorious. Their faith got them through. There was a future glory awaiting. We have the same thing. You know, a lot of our blessings as Christians are not necessarily possessed right now. We go through trials. We're in heaviness right now. Many times we're in heaviness because of the various trials we face. But notice the very next verse in First Peter. Notice the very next verse. After saying that the angels desire to look into these things, this so great a salvation, of this salvation, verse 10, the prophets have inquired. They looked and dug around, tried to figure it out. Well, there's a future aspect, brothers and sisters, to our salvation too. Notice what it says in verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, or be vigilant, be watchful, be circumspect, as Ephesians 5 says. Consider, rest your hope fully. We heard about hope this morning. See, as Romans says, hope is not hope if you can see it. It's not hope. If you have what you hope for, it's not hope anymore. It's sight then. You have it. You can't hope for something you have. So, here he says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. You know, bring those straying thoughts together. Bring those temptations that, bring them under the, what is it? Bringing every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gather those straying thoughts in and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be ours at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Oh, praise God. There is a future for us. And just as the children of God in Hebrews 11, just as they had various tra- uh, travails and trials, so do we. So do we. But we have a greater testimony than they do. We have more reason to believe than they do. Because we have Jesus Christ to look back on. We have the historic record that Jesus was here. They had the word of God that said he will come. Both of us are saved by the work of Christ. Both of us are. They looked ahead. We look back. And someday we might be able to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and say, you know, Your faith really challenged us. 
your faith really challenged us. Because we have a historic record. Well, they said, but we had the Word of God. And it is true. The Word of God is just as sure as any historical record. It's just as sure. So gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Well, to recap a little bit here about the attitude of the prophets. That is kind of what I, that was the burden of, of, my, of my thoughts here this morning is those who've gone before us, what was their attitude? What did they major on? They majored on the prophecies that were given to them. And those prophecies were about the sufferings of Christ and the effects of them. What God was going to do in the person of Jesus Christ and how that would impact our life, how that it would, how that it would affect our faith. That was what the prophets were all about. We should do no less. We should do no less. You know, the church has many opportunities to go out on a rabbit trail. But let's focus on the main thing. Let's focus on the main thing, on the suffering of that one who is the head of the church. The one who is the head of the church. And let us glorify him, the glories that would follow. Well, there was something else in my mind, but it just went out. Let's leave that. Uh, let's, let's come before the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, as we look into the future, just as your people have always looked into the future. Father, we pray that you would give us the eyes of faith to comprehend your salvation and how that it impacts our future, how that we have a glorious future awaiting us. Just as the prophets embraced their own prophecies and discovered that they were primarily written for us, for us today who glory in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would help us to put no other stock or to put no stock in any other than in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for bringing us the gospel of Jesus Christ, for bringing us Christ, giving us hope. Guide us, Father. Guide us, Father, as we go through this year. Give us hope and confidence that comes from faith. Lord, keep us for our glorious inheritance. We pray through Christ. Amen.